Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I am Brian Kiley. Today is New Year's Day, and my host, Pastor Lance Hahn, co-host Pastor Lance Hahn, and I are going to talk about three big things for 2019. We are going to share three big goals or resolutions or changes we're hoping to make in this new year and why we're going to go about making those changes. Hopefully, you'll find some of it inspiring, interesting, maybe a little bit weird. Who knows? We'll find out. We have not even told each other what our big three things are, so we're finding out right along with you. So enjoy the episode, and Happy New Year. All right, here we go. Season two, episode 16 of the Engaging Culture podcast. We are recording early, but this is being released on New Year's Day, so... Happy New Year, Lance. Hey, thank you very much. It was my birthday yesterday. <laughs> oh, well, you don't look a day older than you'll be in two weeks. <laughs> you'll be so, in two weeks. B- congratulations. Yeah, this is like a time-bending thing. It is a little time-bending. Um, so I want to ask you... New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, uh, what will you be doing on the time this episode goes live? Do you guys have anything special you do on New Year's Day? Or? Well, um, so with with our kiddos, we've gone through the different seasons in our life where you first you use the ball drop in New York, New York yeah. right, which is so nine o'clock, yep. and then you're, and woo, and then everybody <laughs> goes to bed. And then there's seasons when you have to do midnight. I think we're back into the midnight season kind of groove of our lives. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny how lame we are because like everybody's waiting and it used to be like rocking Christmas. Now there's so many different commercials Yeah, and it's like everyone's getting bored and they're all starting to fall asleep (laughs) and it just looks like we're, we are a retirement home at our house where everyone's like, you know what? This is stupid. Why are we doing this? We're all going to bed. So, uh, and that is my birthday. That's how my birthday ends. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) And then in on, on the morning, right? So like, uh, January 1st, 2019, uh, that day we're probably just all like trying to fall asleep and, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm looking to eat something. I think that's it. Do you have any better things that you guys do? I mean, that was pretty inspiring. Oh, it was. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're obviously in the little kids season of life, so we are big fans of the nine o'clock ball drop uh, yep. and or the Netflix fake countdowns, which you can just play sort of whenever you want. Netflix makes these, count- I mean, a lot of companies do, but they make these little countdowns that you can play with different characters. That is and disingenuous. It is extremely disingenuous. Um, fun fact, by the way, Christy and I, before we were married, uh, this was in college, and a family had asked her to babysit on New Year's Eve, and they said that we could, like, that I could join them. And the little girl we were babysitting at 11.57 p.m. says, I have to go to the bathroom. Can we pause it? We're like, I don't think you get how this works, child. Anyway, uh, yes. so yeah, we'll we'll probably we're hoping to maybe we got a lot of kids in the neighborhoods, so hoping to maybe do a little neighborhood thing where we you know watch the ball drop at nine and then um, hey everyone's asleep by ten thirty. That's <laughs> it's awesome. A great night. And then and it's then, parents' time. Yeah, and then you know whatever, and then uh, no, everybody, including parents. Oh yeah, yeah, by, yeah. Asleep okay, by no, 10:30. you're right. Um, and then you know New Year's Day football. There's lots of all that good stuff. I think uh, this year the Kings have a game on New Year's Day, which I have tickets for. I haven't decided if we'll go. New or Year's Day, in. NFL or college? College, college. Yeah, yeah that's why I don't care. Yeah, so right, it's you know on. kind of the fun, the fun bowl game. So okay. Anyway, we'll see. But hey, it's it is it is obviously a time of year when people are thinking about resolutions, things of that nature. Where do you land on the whole New Year's resolution spectrum? Uh, You know what? There's a bunch of areas in my life where I'm super organized. So, for example, if you look at my computer, it's very organized. When it comes to my teaching stuff and all that, anything that has to do with, like, organization of my books and all that stuff, I am hyper-organized. 
there are other areas of my life that are not so organized. And the whole idea of going, let's revisit last year and let's plan for next year, forget it. I am totally <laughs> out. The fact that we planned this episode, I had to think <laughs> of resolutions because I'm like, all right, come on. I know I have resolutions. I just never do this. I never I never focus on it because it's just this, this long-term thinking. And I'm like, am I going to keep going with it? I hate making plans that I'm not going to follow through on. And anyway, so yeah. I am, I am, yes, as much as I'm a holiday bah humbug, so am I a resolution bah humbug. Well, it all kind of fits together. <laughs> it all right? fits together. See, and it's funny because I'm sort of the opposite of you in the sense that I feel like if you were to look at my computer, you'd be like, how do you even function? Like you're like, I mean, I sort of know where everything is and I can generally find it when I need to. And I utilize search tools all the time. Uh, but I am hardly a model of organization, but I actually really like, and I've, I guess I've been through a cycle when it comes to how I feel about new year's resolutions. Cause it sort of, you default to it initially and then you right. decide you're lame or yes. uh, not. Well, <laughs> that's not, that's a separate conversation for another time, but right. you just, you decide that resolutions are lame. Right. And then I feel like I've come back around to the point yes. where I just sort of realized the start of the year is a great time to just evaluate your life and say, okay, what are adjustments that I want to make that are realistic Yes. that I need to do to, you know, in order to get my life where I want it to be. So yes. I am, I am anti the like big, grand, crazy New right. Year's resolution right, right, that's right. only going to make you feel guilty on January 3rd. But I am totally pro the, okay, let's just take this as an opportunity to kind of wipe the slate clean a little yes. bit and think about the future. Okay, so. so here's the deal. Theoretically, I think it's brilliant. I love intentional living and purposeful living and uh, planning and strategy. I think all that is great. I just don't, I don't do it for me in that way. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, I know it's great for other people. <laughs> for example, uh, Pastor Bishop Parnell Lovelace. Yep. Right? So he and his wife, at the end of the year, they actually have a sit down and they go, let's review the year together. Wow. Uh, that is That's stunning cool. to me. That is so cool. Yeah. And they, they literally go through, hey, how did we do today? And I mean, they're analyzing marriage stuff. They're mm -hmm. analyzing, And I'm like, wow, I have such respect for that. Yeah. And then they set out goals for the next year. And I'm like, I just, Susie and I would never do that. Yeah. That is not something we could do. So uh, I feel like you and Christy could do that. I feel like, I don't Yeah, know. we probably could. We don't formalize it. It is sort of a tradition. This is very romantic. But like when we go out to dinner on our anniversary, it's yeah. sort of a tradition to kind of review the year a little bit. But it's not like we're getting out spreadsheets and notes and taking notes and all that. It's more of just informal conversation about, you know. How do we feel like this year went? What are major adjustments we made? What are big highlights? And then we talk See, about, hey, what do we do want moving that. forward? But like, but I know people like there's a couple in our church who like we're friends with, and you would know their names uh, for sure if I told you that they talk about how they do a year in review, and it's yes. very comprehensive. One in the couple loves it and is like gung ho about it. The other hates it, but I think sees its value. <laughs> so yes, but I like I love that, but it does sound like a lot of work. Yes, so. but don't get me wrong. I think, and this is one of the reasons why I was so pro this episode is I love intentional living. Yeah. I think that uh, this is beautiful. And so I'm, I'm glad I got forced <laughs> to do this yeah. by you. Thank you. So here's, here's another one last question. And I'm only asking you this question because I have an answer to it that I want to share. So we're going to, but we'll start with you. Okay. What, if someone is taking the opportunity to say, all right, I want to, I want to look forward to this next year with some intentionality. I want to set yeah. some goals, make some resolutions, whatever. Any principles that you would ha say are good to have in mind to help somebody come up with good 
resolutions or goals for the new year? Yeah, I think that, um, so most of my stuff, I mean, I go through a worldview of biblical lens, Christianity, Jesus Christ. So I have a really hard time talking about things that matter that don't really involve something about the Lord somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so what I would do is I would say, um, if, if you look through the lens of what is Jesus building in you, like Mm -hmm. what, what does he have? Does he have more freedom for you? Does he have like, first you think big picture, big picture. What does Jesus want to build in you? And then ultimately you'd say, as he seems to be designing and working on you, what ultimately are you going to lean into giving him more space Mm -hmm. to fix? Or what do you, that's where I start from. Mm -hmm. Um, It's usually from how do I partner with Jesus and doing what he's already trying to get done. And it looks like we're headed that direction. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I would start. Love it. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, I, I guess mine is, in line with that, yeah. although it doesn't sound as pastoral because oh, okay. I don't explicitly talk about <laughs> right. Jesus as much, which, you know, maybe I, anyway, so yours is better than mine. But I, I think about this, I think a lot of times we make, we, we set goals without sort of saying to what end, like what, what's Absolutely. the point of making this goal? And I, and I yes. think that is, you know, more seriously to your point about, okay, who, who is God creating me to be? Yes. I think is a critical question to ask in making these goals. But something that I, I remember coming across a long time ago that really resonated with me was there's this book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, written by a hospice nurse who spent all this time around, Ooh, you know, and it's really powerful. profound. I haven't read the book, but yeah. I've seen the list. Yes. And the number one re- top regret of the dying is I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Wow. It's like, dang. That's so good. I think you can take that and go some kind of selfish and unhealthy places with it. But I think you can also say, okay, what do I want my life to be? Yes. Who do I feel like God is calling me to become? Yes. And then sort of reverse engineer it from there. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. So that's so good. I think that's important. So with that, enough chit chat. Let's get into our list. Again, this is exciting. I don't know what you're going to say. You don't know what I'm going to say, but uh, let's start with you. Give me your first uh, your first big thing for 2019. All right. Number one, this is probably the one that will probably be a little bit from left field, right? So we're going right. to start with left field. Um, I would like to grow in minimizing my defensiveness. Minimizing your defensiveness. Yeah. Okay. okay. So here's that. the deal is that I get really defensive in conversations that I take... The world. Okay, so here's the deal. I don't take myself very seriously, but I take truth very seriously. Mm-hmm. And what that ends up doing is I start making things very personal, very life or death, very important. And when someone, I, 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 I do so much thinking and analyzing about my opinions. I self check myself. <laughs> Well done. Okay, thank you. Um, I, I'm always trying to reanalyze, is my thinking wrong? Okay, once I'm done with all of that and I present out thoughts and ideas, yep. I feel like I've already sufficiently torn them apart. Mm-hmm. When someone challenges me, I get immediately defensive because I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You've not put any time into this. Yeah. I have already put a ton of time into this. How dare you? challenge my thoughts because I've already gone through all this and haven't I lived a life that makes you trust me to where you would say okay I know who Lance is I know how he thinks this probably is the right thing he will try to balance himself out well by the time I get done with all that someone just trying to get to truth someone trying to process someone trying to do what's healthy on their side Mm -hmm. pushes back and I get defensive and I ruin their ability um, to process through and get where I'm at 
right? Because I'm the one that brought up the conversation in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I already had time to prep. They didn't have any time to prep. Yeah. So it is the one of the least Jesus things about me, in my opinion. It's an embarrassment for me that in an argument or in a meeting or in something that I I feel my tension rise mm-hmm. and I want to shut it down as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. That to me is not like the Lord. And mm-hmm. I'm so embarrassed by it <laughs> that I want to really grow in that area. Now, I have made advancements where, for example, if something goes down, I try to pull out personal snarkiness. That's mm-hmm. something that I worked on last year was trying to remove snarkiness from responses and things mm-hmm. like that. But there's more to it than that. Why is it stimulating in my spirit in the first place? Why is it agitating way down below? Let's say I contain it coming out, mm-hmm. right? And people don't even realize I'm being defensive. Yeah. What is going on inside me that's building so quickly? Yeah. Uh, what is offensive to me? What is being violated? What core value is being triggered mm-hmm. by this? And how do I make it more in alignment with the Lord? So, for example, if indeed we are living in true humility, right, which is actually one of my core values, mm-hmm. if I'm truly living in core humility, I should be thinking about myself less and thinking about them more. So their ability to process, their ability to question me, their ability should be more important than me trying to justify who I am and what I'm talking about. So anyway, does that make sense? Yeah. I don't even yeah. know if I'm making any sense right now. I, I mean, I think it makes a ton of sense. And I think a lot of people can relate to what you're describing because it is, it is, first of all, a lot of us don't really like to be challenged. Being challenged is not that fun. Right. And then second, when you feel like you've done a lot of work and somebody is questioning a conclusion you've come to through a lot of work that is frustrating on some level and it takes a lot of maturity i think to like you said to be able to basically realize you know what there was a point where i had that same question i didn't have somebody snap at me i was able to either to research it myself or do some thinking or have somebody explain it to me so now i want to do that um that's hard to do so i guess my follow-up question then is uh what what practical steps can you take to reduce defensiveness because i don't think you're the only person on planet earth who who wrestles with this stuff? Well, it was really interesting because I, um, a number of years ago, I was in therapy for some panic disorder stuff, uh-huh. and I, I, we had, I was starting to get into a little bit better place, and so she said, "Well, what else is going on in your life?" And I brought this up mm-hmm. because this is really does bother me. Yeah, it, it's really not okay about me, and so I was like, "Hey, I'm really getting defensive, and what what's going on?" And what she ended up saying was, she said, "All right, so practically, if you find when someone comes in." I want you to count in your mind when somebody says something to you that bothers you. I want you to count in your mind, you know, one, two, three, before you respond. And I want you to look at it like a game. I want you to look at it like a puzzle. So they just presented something to you, and now you are looking at it and going, oh, they just presented an interesting puzzle piece. And now Mm -hmm. I'm going to reassess the pieces. Yeah. In other words, get it out of being personal. Mm, That was the first thing we got to do is take the personal side out of it. Yep. And look at it more. Um, the other thing that I want to do is look at it in terms of developing the other person. Because as much as I would like to say, well, I just need to be a more kind person or I just need to be more uh, selfless. Mm-hmm. I-, I think those are pie in the sky ideas. I actually have to lock into something that I'll actually do. And something that motivates me is either seeing it as unloving. I don't like being unloving. I like being loving. Mm-hmm. So if I can say, um, listen. I need you to be more loving when people question you. Anyone that is a questioner of you, they're your new person that you're loving on. 
So mm. for me, that will motivate me from another core value, yeah, right? Good. I got to make changes within core value to core value. And so practically speaking, I think that um, I'm also preparing before I go into meetings mm-hmm. um, that I go, I have to do a real quick self-check. Yeah. Hey, buddy, in this meeting, it is likely, and I mean buddy talking to myself, <laughs> uh, it is likely that someone's going to push back on you and you need to give process a chance. Mm-hmm. because and stop being so scared it's going to get out of control because here's what i found out i found out it's not that they're questioning me it's that untruth is going to win the day that's what's hmm. freaking me out yeah i actually feel like things are going to go badly both for the lord and the world if i don't speak up and shut it down mm-hmm. because i'm now the purveyor of all truth you know what i'm saying so it's not that how dare you challenge me as if lance is a big deal yeah. it's you're challenging truth and and the bad thing's gonna win yeah that's where i gotta back off and walk into meetings and everything else and go whoa whoa, whoa. the holy spirit can work through process mm-hmm. you've got to mellow out you've mm-hmm. got to give it a chance so that god can move here and you quit trying to control everything so anyway, those are a couple, yeah. couple yeah. practical things. It's almost like things. if you if you want the result you're after is good, yes. but you're kind of, it's like the emotion of it can sort of hijack that yes. result. It yeah. takes some self-discipline to realize, okay, if we're going to get to the right place where the truth wins and everything else, like yes. I need to be able to kind of gently walk through this conversation. Yeah, which absolutely. Easier so, said than done. But. Yeah, and I think, that, I think that it's important for people to realize that um, when you do these types of resolutions and stuff, I really wanted to dig down to something that matters to me. Uh, if I was going to say I need to get back to the gym, well, that's a reality. Uh, mm-hmm. Do I need to get back to the gym? Yes. Have I done that resolution many times? Yes. Um, have I, you know, gym attendance is very high in very January. Very high in January. Um, so I, I get all that. What I wanted to do was make some resolutions that matter to me in areas that matter to me. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually excited about talking about your number one. Can we shift okay. to yours? Sure. Yeah, we'll go to my number one. It's it's not quite as introspective as yours. This is a a goal I have set for myself three times. I have never made it. I have almost made it all three times. Oh, I love but this. Didn't 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 work out. Oh, I have a guess. Uh, I have a guess. I have a guess. Okay, go ahead. No, 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 no. I want to know if I'm right. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, my goal is in 2019 to either read or listen to. Yeah. At least how many? Oh, I thought it was a book a week. There you go. Exactly Woo! right. 52 books. Wow, that is impressive. Okay, we can just shut it down right here. We're done. Um, okay, so here's the I thing. I know, my friend. I love to read, uh, but I decided at, so 2016 and 2017, I set that goal for myself, and I track the books that I read when yes. I'm trying to reach that goal. So I actually have, even in my laptop right in front of me, I have my 2016 list yes. and my 2017 list. And 2018, I decided was going to be the year of the podcast. So my epi- my goal was to listen to 500 at least podcast episodes of sort of up to me to decide, but minimum 500 episodes during the course of the year. And I decided I wasn't going to read. And here's what I found. I loved it for about three months because there's a million good podcasts yep. out there like ours. Uh, but <laughs> Engaging culture. Engaging culture, for Church. example. Um, but I just found it didn't really work for me. I wasn't learning as much. I did not find myself as sort of stimulated, both intellectually and spiritually. And I just felt like there was something missing for me when I wasn't reading. So in the latter part of this year, I still listen to, I have a news podcast I listen to to on my commute that I really, really like. And I'll occasionally listen to sermons and some other things. But I don't really listen to podcasts anymore. And I'm getting back to reading. Yes. And I love it. 
And and I think also it's important to not just have a quantity goal for reading, but there has to be a quality goal as well. And it is sort of funny. I look at my list from 2016, 2017, and like there are a few in there that I'm like, eh, that was basically like watching TV. (laughs) I don't know that I learned a whole lot from, from that one. But I also, it's interesting going back and looking at my lists and it really is almost like a journal, like, cause you remember, you carry these stories and these ideas with you and, and. I'm able to remember where I was in life at the time, and I'm able to remember how these books impacted me. So my natural bent is going to be to read theology and leadership. Like that, I don't have to really set goals for me there because I'm naturally drawn to Christian theology and then leadership, both Christian and secular. I just find that pretty interesting naturally. That's your wheelhouse. That's my wheelhouse. But what I want to do, and I'm and I'm conscious of, is trying to branch out so that I'm a learning from people that have accomplished great things. So I want to read at least five biographies and at least one sort of a like, like low level back burner goal of mine is to read a biography of every United States president in my lifetime. Wow! And I've read like eight or nine up to this point. And so like at least one president this year, maybe two. Um, and then other just business leaders and other people who maybe would be a little bit offbeat. But I just find as I go back and look at other biographies I've read, I'm like, man, I just, you know, I learned a lot from reading about Elon Musk. That guy's a nut, by the way. Yes. Uh, I learned a lot from reading about Steve Jobs. Also a nut. The best are never all that balanced. But anyway, yes. Um, so all of that. And then trying to read a little bit of fiction, which I just, I don't know. I don't read fiction. I should. I wish I did. It'd probably be better for my imagination, but I don't. Um, but anyway, just trying you to be- need some recommendations <laughs> yeah, from me. So there you go. So trying to be intentional about pick <laughs> and picking- Really great books. Oh, oh, I forgot. This is a key part of my goal. Yeah. Read 52, buy zero. I don't want to buy any books. Oh, oh 2019. Oh, oh. Sorry. B-U-Y. B-U-Y. Yeah. I don't want to buy any books. I shared in a sermon a while ago that I have a minor book buying addiction, and it is absolutely true. Uh, so I have a million books on my Kindle I haven't read. So, yes. and there's tons of ways to get like great ebooks and audiobooks for free through like the library and programs yes. that like the library runs and apps and everything else. So I'm like, okay, 2019, the year of no book buying. Ooh. But the year of book reading. That's impressive. That's the plan. Ooh, I like that so, plan. Anyway, that's that's, um, that's my own little wrinkle on it. Are any of your books currently by Dr. Seuss or Theodore Geisel? Those don't count, but I will take the uh, <laughs> I, I I will take the opportunity to plug his underappreciated classic that is my all time favorite children's book, and that is called I Can Read with My Eyes Shut. Ooh. I love that book. I, I have read it a one. million times, and I request it sometimes when I'm reading with my kids. They don't always oblige that request, but it is my absolute favorite. Okay, so Hop on Pop was kind of a family favorite, Uh but I was a big Yertle the Turtle fan. Yertle the Turtle. (laughs) There you go. All right. Oh, one other small thing in my my goal, too, is minimum three books about a subject I know next to nothing about. Oh, That's been another key thing for me. And some of my favorite books are like that. Like, we just had this speaker at a men's breakfast who is this crazy uh, crew, like rower guy who rode across the Atlantic Ocean. I read a book in 2016 called The Boys in the Boat, Nine Americans and Their Epic Quest for Gold at the 1936 Berlin Olympics. I know nothing about rowing. I don't care about rowing. This book, I remember I was traveling when I finished it. sounds horridly boring. It was really long, too. I remember sitting in an airplane, landing, and I think it was Salt Lake City. I was traveling when I was finishing the book, and I am literally in tears at the end. I was so moved by this story that, like, again, 
couldn't care less about the subject, but it was an incredible story. So that sort of thing, both for education and for like activating different parts of my brain and just thinking in new ways. That's a big deal. So Wow, anyway. that is brilliant. That's goal number one. Goal number two for you. What do you got? Uh, goal number two is my boring one. Um, and it is not boring in a dishonor to the Lord. It is boring <laughs> because it's what everybody would kind of expect. Are you going to read the Bible more? <laughs> Close. <laughs> Close. It is increase my quiet time with the Lord. Um, so here's the thing that everybody kind of assumes. They assume that pastors have incredible quiet times. Yep. Here's what I've found is that pastors struggle with quiet times almost more than everybody else because of what we do for a living. Mm -hmm. It's that it is part of our job. And so what you don't want to do when you're done with your job is do more of your job. Right. And trying to figure out the interaction of what is really my personal walk with the Lord and what is my corporate walk with the Lord yep. is it, really hard for me. Yep. And so when you were joking about reading the Bible more, because I do so much study, yep. right? Uh, the idea, uh, the other day I just pulled out the Bible and had to read it just for me because my, my brain, was, I was in such a weird place. I had to re-rack, um, but I just do too much of it for work. Um, so like for praying, um, I do a lot of prayer for work. Every meeting I'm opening in prayer. We're closing in prayer. I'm praying about this. I'm praying about that. I get up in the morning and I'm praying. I'm doing, you know, because I'm not getting up in the morning and I'm praying intentionally. Mm -hmm. I'm praying like when I'm in the shower. I'm yeah. praying when uh, I'm driving and I'm thanking the Lord for things. So I have like conversation with the Lord mm -hmm. nailed, mm -hmm. right? Which is just doing life together. Yeah. Um, and if I was to encourage people out there to say, if there was a type of prayer, I would love for you to become an expert at, it would probably just be life conversation sure. right so um so I, I i'm not trying to say that i don't have that i have a horrifically lame quiet time with the lord like sit down and sit focus down and focus yeah. and that is give him your best yeah. that is take some time to let him talk to you on more than just a soundbite mm -hmm. that is the reflection time the meditation time to go god what is going on in my life what do you want to do it's your will not my will yeah uh, it's the idea of being intentional to pray through things for a purpose, mm -hmm. um, the idea that you would do prevailing prayer, the idea that I would do um, intercessory prayer that's a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. um, and I think depth of relationship, not just, I mean, like, it's different when, like, Susie and I, we talk every day. Mm -hmm. We text periodically. And so we're in con connection yep. pretty much every day, all day. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's different than a date time. Yep. And, and so my daytime with the Lord is weak sauce. Mm -hmm. I have big experiences with God all the time because we lead church. Yep. I'm I'm learning like vastly life altering things every day because mm -hmm. people are like, man, I had this great uh, devotion the other day. Yeah. It was life altering. I go, I have that all the time. You're having secondhand quiet times constantly. Man, yeah. <laughs> I like literally I have stuff that people are longing for and they maybe get once a year. I get them every day yeah. because I'm dealing with people that are going, this was life changing. This is a miracle. This is so I'm engaged. I'm getting bombarded with yeah. with spiritual stimuli. Yep. That still doesn't mean I have any legit quiet time with the Lord. So mm -hmm. anyway, that's an area I need to grow in. Can't relate to you at all on that. Just <laughs> really, just you're speaking a different language, man. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. It is so odd. Even, you know, we did this, uh, we're releasing this on January 1st, but 
as we're recording this last Sunday, we were doing, you know, we did a big survey in church. Yes. Where we asked people to respond. And it was even interesting, if I'm being totally honest, there was the question of, of how often do you read the Bible? Yes. And I'm like, well, I read it every day. But I can't, I don't know that I can say I necessarily read it devotionally every day because I'm reading it for something work-related yes. constantly, yes. you know, but there is that separate discipline of like, okay, you know, you have nothing to prepare out of, you know, the gospel of John right yes. now. You're just reading it strictly for the Lord to speak to you, which, I mean, he speaks to me as I'm, you know, as he does to you in, in study and things like that, but it is different. But here, here's something that many people may not understand because it's such a weird uh, group that we're a part of. When I open the Bible, I can literally look at all subtitles and already know what's going on. Yeah. So there is no part of the Bible that I open up and I go, oh, I wonder what mm, this has that? to say. Yeah. I already know the story yeah. before I get going. Yeah. And so t- for me to kind of keep having to jump around and jump around and look for something, I end up in like Ezekiel. <laughs> I end up in like messed up books because I'm like, I don't know. That's the only place I can find yeah. something. And yet I want like something fresh about Jesus. Uh-huh. Problem is I know you all of his stories backwards and forwards. Do you ever do this? I do this all the time and I hate that I do it. If you're like reading a different book yeah. and it's going to quote like an extended passage of scripture and like I find that, oh, okay, John 3, Nicodemus, I know that. And I just oh, skip forget it. it. I, skip I just skip the whole paragraph. I'm all like, what am them. I doing? Like, No, I skip them all. Yeah, it's the worst. Yep. Anyway, all right, let's all right there yours. we go. Okay, so uh, more quiet time with the Lord. Good. My second one, I'm talking about reading more. Uh, I want to develop the discipline of writing for 10 minutes a day. Oh, that's it. Wow. Just keep a keep a journal and write about whatever, right? whether it's write about what's going on in my day, whether it's write about a thought that could be used for a devotional or something else later. I enjoy writing. I think that writing is a great way for me to process. I have a journal that I have on my computer, but I don't really ever write in it except for times where I need to process something that probably shouldn't be shared publicly. Um, but I want to get into the discipline of doing that because I really feel like recording your thoughts in a season of life is kind of a gift for your future self in yes, a way. Sure. Like, I don't know about you, but anytime I am able to go back and read something where it's like, I try to write down reflections on like a big trip or anything like that. I go mm. on. I love going back and reading like, oh yeah, that trip was so great. Or, oh man, that was such a special time. And I just don't have the discipline to write for 10 minutes a day right now. Um, and I want to do it also because I want to get better at it. Not because I have aspirations of going off and writing a book or whatever. I don't know that I do at this stage of the game. Sure. But I think for my own health, my own ability to grow and just the different things I have to do for work and in my own ability to reflect upon my own life, I want to create the discipline of writing for 10 minutes a day. Okay. So this is a difference between you and me. I could not do that. That could not be my thing because I'm a brain dump guy. Yeah. I'm all in, all out. I get in these grooves and all of a sudden I can dump a whole book. Nine hours twice a yes. month. <laughs> yes. And so the whole idea of 10 minutes a day, I'm like, I'm just getting started or I'm just staring at a page for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah. I can't even do that. What a beautiful discipline. Yeah. So, well, you know, it's I great. love it's that. Great in theory, right? We'll see. You can ask me on. Uh, January 12th, how it's going. But, yeah, that's uh, super you know. cool. Anyway, so that's what I want to do. Want to want to read, want to write. Um, okay, number three for you. All what right, you number got? three for me is to strategically design my senior pastor role. So um, recently at church, just to give you guys a little behind-the-scenes stuff, so recently at church, um, we hired uh, a gentleman named Josh Oot, who is our connections and communications director. The, what they, That was Pastor Brian, who I'm talking to right now. That was his role. And so uh, Josh ended up bumping 
Pastor Brian over into a role that I, I um, once again, I desperately wanted him to be in, and that is the director of discipleship that I was caring for a really long time. So I was the senior pastor and also the discipleship director for, for a number of, uh, felt like decades, felt like- <laughs> but I think it was just years. Uh, it yeah, about, a year. yeah, about a year. Yeah, yeah about a well, year. I mean, that's a long time. Because we yeah. had, well, ultimately it was after Jason Stewart. Yeah, that's right. It was so a while. It's a while. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, in doing those two roles, a lot of people would assume they're the same. They actually are not the same. Uh, they're very distinct. Um, but having been moved over into what ultimately is my, my best wheelhouse is the senior pastor role. And in doing that, there's a bunch of stuff right off the bat that I had just put on the back burner for the last couple of years while I was doing the other stuff mm-hmm. and trying to get back to it here and there, but nothing was really advancing. And so when all of a sudden it was opened up, it was like, oh my gosh, I have this project list, right? Mm-hmm. The problem with that is it's not strategic. Mm. And so what I wanted to do was intentionally design it out to say, okay, while you're doing projects, what ultimately are we trying to accomplish? What yeah. is the real heart of this job? Yeah. Don't be... Don't be thrown apart by the tyranny of the urgent, of the, oh my gosh, I finally get a chance to get back to this stupid project that I've been trying to work on years ago. Well, hold on, hold on. What does the church need most? Mm -hmm. What has God designed you for most? What are we supposed to be doing here? So for me, it's to practically, so this is probably my most practical one in the sense of, um, I can accomplish it. Like mm-hmm. this can be a thing that can be written down through a job description with lists. You know what I mean? It's oh, quantifiable. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that is something that I really need to nail down because I have a little bit of a disruption in my spirit when I don't feel like I am strategic in my position mm-hmm. to know what I'm supposed to accomplish. I do not want to end the year going, I was drifting in my senior pastor role. Yeah. I want to say I dug in nailed it and now i'm in the zone yeah well it's a little bit of the reverse engineering we were talking about earlier is what do you want to be yes how do we get there instead of just sort of randomly tackling whatever projects seem urgent or catch your interest or or whatever and that has really overwhelmed me since we made the transition Mm -hmm. um and i'm still in the throes of that Mm -hmm. feeling overwhelmed by that and so what i don't want to do is let that rule the day i want to push that aside for a moment get some quiet and say okay block it all out and let's design on a blank sheet of paper. Yeah. What does that need to be? So anyway, that's my third one. That's really smart. I should probably do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'll tell you what you're supposed to do. Don't oh, worry about it. There you go. All right, you just tell me. I'll then, yeah, that'll uh, Easy. All right, just take care of it while, while, you're, while you're planning out your year, if you could yes. just take care of mine, too. Okay, good. Uh, save us both some time. Well, What's save your me third some time, one? Anyway. All right, my third one is the least realistic of the three, uh, but it is way more realistic now than it would have been a while ago, and there is some, some narrative that I need to build into this. So... For those who don't know, which is most, I, by nature, am not a morning person at all. I have always had a hard time sleeping, and I've had different seasons of my life where I've just sort of given up any hope of going to bed early, and I'll just stay up super late so that I'm that guy who's a grown adult having trouble getting out of bed at eight in the morning, yes. uh, that sort of thing. In fact, there was one very brief season of my life, this was so embarrassing, we were living in Pasadena, but I got a job in Santa Barbara. 
And my wife had to finish graduate school in Pasadena before she could move to Santa Barbara. There's no way in heck on youth pastor salary and grad student, we're paying for two places in Pasadena and Santa oh, Barbara. Oh, no way. So I literally stayed in an RV in the driveway of a family at the church. They like I paid them a couple hundred bucks and sort of that was it. And this is the, which that's not embarrassing, whatever. That's the season of life we were in. The embarrassing part is this, is that I'd have to go in their house to shower. And the dude was in construction, which means he's up, you know, super early every day. And I you know, weird environment, couldn't sleep anyway, whatever. So there I am rolling into their house at like 8.45 on a Tuesday <laughs> to take a shower and get ready for the day. It's just, it's embarrassing. So I like to stay up late. I like all of that stuff. And I'm, anyway, how hard I'm getting out of bed. Well, I was inspired about a month ago by a book that I read to make some adjustments to my life. And I was inspired actually longer before that by just the re- just kind of thinking through our family rhythm and realizing, you know, if I work more in the mornings, we can reduce the amount that we're relying on relatives and other childcare for my kids in the afternoon, which I would prefer anyway, because I'd rather be with them. And and just sort of realizing like this, these jobs we have, they take us away from our families at odd times, uh, like, totally. you know, evenings, weekends, whatever. And I'm like, all right, well, what adjustments can I make to be more present uh, at different times? So even uh, this whole fall, I get in the office by six on Tuesdays. So I got up at 4.45 this morning and was here at 5.45. That's insane. Uh, so I can get, I know, right? Brian from three months ago thinks that's insane too. But what I've realized is I can actually do it. Wow. And I don't hate it. I went to bed early last night and it was fine. And I got up, was a little tired this morning, but I'm doing okay. And it frees me up in the afternoon to be with my kids, which is a huge value. Now, I'm still kind of paying wow. attention to work stuff and I'll maybe do things in the evening or whatever the case may be. But here's the big, the big goal is I want to wake up at 5.30 or earlier at least five days a week. So that's the goal, which again, Ooh, Brian good. from three months ago is that that's, you may as well say you want to grow a third leg. Like that's just impossible. But, and here's the other thing that I found is even when I don't come into work super early, I was discussing this with my dad the other day. Cause he's, he's sort of like me. He said this once and I totally agree. He says his two least favorite times of the day are when it's time to go to bed and when it's time to wake up. I'm exactly the same. If I could like take a pill that would like make me not need to sleep, I would totally do it. But anyway, which is weird. I just sidetracked myself. What am I talking about? Oh, but here's the thing we were talking about is I said, you know, hey, I'm trying this go to bed early, wake up early thing. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but it's working for me. And he was saying, you know, we tend not to waste our time in the morning. Like nobody's like binge watching Netflix no. at 5 a.m., but no. like that's what we do at 11 p.m. Yes. So I find that even, you know, like the other morning, I didn't come in here until, I don't know, 7.30 or so, but like I was up early, had a nice quiet time. Read, read a book I'm just a different book I'm reading for half an hour like started the day feeling good instead of waiting till the absolute last moment and you know rushing around doing everything and I don't know I just I like who I am trying to wake up early now the question is is this a fad or can I actually do it uh, so, we're gonna see huh trying to become a morning person oh that's so good I love that stuff I am um, by nature I'm a night owl um, and yet my wife is a early to bed 
person. Mm -hmm. And so needless to say, we have all kinds of disrupted rhythms mm -hmm. uh, in our household. So I'm, yeah. I'm very impressed yeah. by your yeah. list. I think your list sounds awesome. Yours sounds more spiritual than mine does. So <laughs> yeah. I got to give you credit uh, give you credit for that one. But uh, anyway, all right. Well, hey, hope that you all enjoyed listening to us uh, banter about, about our different uh, goals for this upcoming year. Maybe it inspired you to uh, think through some things as well. I uh, would encourage you just to, uh, as we discussed, kind of look at who you want to be, what you want to become, who you feel like God is calling you to be in 2019, and maybe reverse engineer that into some concrete goals. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll see you in two weeks for our next episode of Engaging Culture. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.